Hey guys, this is Caroline over here at Solutions by Southwest Utility. Today we are kicking off our brand new series and that is Tell Me Your Story. We are sitting down with some of Multifamily's top execs and we are asking them to share their perspective, their journey, and just their take on our multifamily industry. Today I have the pleasure to sit down with Mr. Mike Brewer, who is the Executive Vice President over here at Radco Residential. Mike, do you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. First and foremost, thank you very much for this time and uh, hopefully this brings value to your audience. Um, but my name is Mike Brewer. Um, I work for Radco Residential, and as Carolyn mentioned, I am the Executive Vice President uh, over our entire residential division. Um, and I've been in the position for roughly three months now. Prior to that, I was uh, I had half of the portfolio, um, but then we did a restructure last August uh, at some point, and so now I uh, oversee the, the complete uh, residential division. Wonderful. Mike, what drives you? What's your, your biggest motivating factor, I guess, that brings you to work every morning? Sure. Um, you know, I think for me, uh, looking myself in the mirror every day, and if I can answer the question, am I a better person today than I was yesterday? That's really my driving factor. That's in a business context. Uh, from a personal context, my family really is first and foremost to me. Um, so to the extent that I can be a great dad and a great husband, uh, which I struggle with, just like the next person, uh, that is a driver on on the personal side. Uh, but yeah, better person today than I was yesterday is really my driving factor. I love that. There's always room for growth with that mindset. You know, you're not stagnant. And you're not. You haven't reached your peak at any point. You know, you're continuously improving. True statement. Um, so why multifamily? Why are you here? So um, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of this. I, <laughs> I went to, uh, when I got out of high school and went to college, I went to college on a full-ride basketball scholarship at Texas Tech University. And roughly three years into that, I stepped away from college, um, and I didn't uh, finish my college degree. And I was sort of lost. I was a lost, wandering, 22-year-old person. Um, so I started a landscape company uh, called The Lawn Ranger. And when I was doing lawns and landscaping, I went to work for this guy uh, in the residential space, um, single family home sales. So basically kind of cleaning up properties so that he could sell them. And then one day when I was in collecting, uh, for an invoice, he asked me if I wanted to sell single family homes. So he sent me to school, paid my way, wow. started selling single family homes. But then I decided really quickly that I didn't like the feast and famine of that. Um, meaning the paychecks didn't come quick enough. Uh, so I decided to enter into partnerships with him buying houses in okay. small apartment communities which I serviced with my landscapes company and so far, uh, so on and so forth. But fast forward, um, I met a girl kind of three years into that experience and I sold everything and went back to school and got a job as a leasing consultant uh, for EPT management company based out of El Paso, Texas. Yeah. And uh, I did that for about six months and I was promoted to district manager. And then uh, one of my mentors, you mentioned before we got on live here, uh, I had a mentor that moved away from the company I worked for in, to Seattle and went to work for Equity Residential. Okay. And he called me one day and said, hey, how would you like to move to the Pacific Northwest? I said, absolutely. I didn't have anything else to do. Right. <laughs> there still, you go. still trying to find my way in the world. Uh, but I went up there and I became a general manager. And, and, and I guess, as they say, the rest is sort of history from there. Mm -hmm. um, I fell in love with the business and have never uh, looked back. That's awesome. So why Radco? Um, I, you know, it's... That's a great question. I love Radco, and really it's on the premise that this company is purpose-driven. Building better living is our purpose.
purpose, and that purpose is born out of a story. Norman Radow is the owner, uh, founder of Radco. And building better living is born out of an experience that he had uh, when he was uh, young. He grew up in a, a project in New York, uh, a housing project. Mm -hmm. And through some reduced regulation in the housing project, uh, he became subject to bullying and beating and things oh, wow. of that nature at a very young age. And so he decided somewhere around 15 or 16 years old that he was going to grow up and become an attorney. And if he could impact public housing in mm -hmm. some way, shape, or form, he was going to do that and really do that under the banner of building better living and making sure that communities were safe, workforce housing was preserved yeah. uh, on an ongoing basis. So first time I sat down with Norman uh, at a dinner uh, prior to coming to work at Radco, I was literally uh, moved to tears, had goosebumps all over the place, and yeah. that was my tell. This wow. was the place to be. That's amazing. I have an immense amount of respect for Radco. I've done done my research, and you have an exquisite company here, an, ex an exquisite team, um, for sure. So thank you for sharing that with us. That was awesome. Um, so speaking of just the industry in general, multifamily is very special, and it takes a lot of very special people <laughs> to work within this industry. Your tomorrow will never be like your today, and your yesterday is gone and completely different. We're constantly in, um, feels like this wind of change, like at all times, sure. which is a lot of fun. It keeps everybody busy. <laughs> I uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm curious as to why you've stayed within multifamily. Like any, anywhere else could have called you, but you chose to stay and why? Um, you know, it's. It, I, I grew up in a broken home, right? And so there was really no level of consistency in that home life, right? Okay. And so there was alcoholism. There were, everything you can imagine goes along with alcoholism was I was subject to in, sure. in, in my youth. So I think what multifamily has afforded me is some level of consistency, um, sort of married up with the craziness that goes on yeah. in our industry, which was probably very akin to my broken home and what I experienced in that broken home. But the thing I didn't experience there that I experienced in multifamily is at least this, this thing is very consistent. So in the confines of business and how we define business, I have this consistency. And so I, I'm not, uh, I'm under no illusion that there aren't other industries that could have afforded me a place and, and sure. you know, tickle those same things. But multifamily, uh, I, I guess, is sort of this broken home full of misfits that yeah. have somehow managed to work within the boundaries of business to make good things happen. Um, so I think that's what's really kept me around. And certainly I've, I've experienced a lot of success in this journey. Absolutely. Um, I've been held up at times. I've been let down at times. But I think through it all, I've just somehow felt at home. I love that. Yeah, we are a bunch of misfits trying to make it right. True. <laughs> I love it. Um What's the biggest shift in trends you've noticed in the past five to ten years within multifamily? I well, I think the certainly the groundswell of technology that I guess yeah. started like ten or fifteen years ago. I think I think even your business is probably probably built on some level of technology. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, I think the biggest shift that I've seen is uh, uh, multifamily finally looking at technology in a way mm -hmm. that will provide data for people to make better business decisions. Yeah. Um, which I think sort of segues into a lot of other things that we'll, we might talk about. But uh, I think that, if I think of all the trends, that is the one that I think has the biggest uh, 
will have the biggest level of impact on our on our industry. That's huge, and that's my, the owner of our company would agree with you too. Um, managing data and gathering relevant data because it feels like there's an overwhelming amount of data within our industry. I mean, just think of how many properties you have within your portfolio, how many tenants you have, all of their utilities, as an example. Um, and just it's just an overwhelming amount and being able to interpret it and being able to manage it. And, okay, well, what does this actually mean? Right. You know, where are the discrepancies? Um, it's really the key to foreshadowing everything, you know, performance, efficiency, all of it. Um, so myself and the owner of Southwest Utility Solutions would definitely agree with you. Um, what do you think the next big shift in trends will be? So I, I think multifamily is, uh, and if I get long-winded here, just tell me, but um, <laughs> I think multifamily has started down the path of trying to mimic or mirror the hospitality industry and becoming more consumer-centric in nature. Okay. Um, which I think is great, and I think that's sort of the right uh, uh, horizon to look at. However, I think that underpinning all of that is the team member. I'm a big team member first guy, mm-hmm. um, so I, I get sort of off the rails when people talk about how we should serve the consumer. The consumer is always right. The consumer is first and so on and so forth, which I just don't believe. I think that you have to get the team member experience right first, uh, and then the default of that is that the consumer wins, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the vendor wins, uh, the investor wins. Mm-hmm. If you don't do a good job of creating uh, future leaders, if you don't do a good job of supporting them in and out of work, I don't, I don't believe that people who walk through that door right there yeah. leave their problems in the hallway, right? Right. <laughs> they bring their problems and their whole self into the work environment, right. and it is incumbent upon us as leaders to help people become a whole person, understanding that we're all broken, right? And to the extent we do that really, really well mm-hmm. in this industry, and I think that that wave is coming. So yes, let's be like hospitality, but let's really uh, love people holistically yeah. so that they can provide that experience that you're after on the, on the consumer-centric side. We can do that through a combination of technology, but mm-hmm. we can also we, we also have to do that through uh, leadership development, yeah. person development, financial development, uh, health and well-being development, right. all of those sorts of things we have to really focus on. And I think, to sum it all up, I think it's it's really important under the premise that when technology fully impacts our industry, the way that it will, mm-hmm. uh, through automation or whatever, there is that idea out there that you can reduce headcount in your industry. Well, yeah. But in my mind, as a leader, it is incumbent upon me to reskill the current workforce, mm-hmm. right? help them understand how to work in an environment that is coming because it's coming. Oh yeah. Whether you like it or not, it's coming. And if we don't do our job today to reskill people and help them feel of value in this industry, then shame on us. That's that's an amazing answer. Yeah. Shame on us. Value is the foundation for everything. Bringing value, making people aware of their value. Oh yes. A hundred percent. Um, we're going to pivot here and talk about mentorship for a second. So, uh, Michael, give you a little background on me. Mentorship is huge in my life. Um, I also come from 
super fun uh, past. (laughs) And for a long time, I depended on uh, professional leaders and people that really employed me to be my mentor. And what I learned was you can do that or you can actively seek out somebody who really wants to pour into you and wants to help you grow and and wants to see you be better tomorrow than you were today. so having a mentor has been very relevant for me since really high school. I've literally had the same mentor in my life since I was a junior in high school, and that feels like a while ago. Um, but his name is great. Hey, he's great. His name is Ken. Ken's wonderful. Ken actually mentors my boss, too. So we share a mutual mentor. Anyway, total tangent. What's your take on mentorship and your perspective? So uh, I'm a big believer in mentorship, uh, and I think that everybody in the business world and in the personal in their personal lives mm-hmm. should have a mentor. Maybe they're two different people. Maybe they're the same person. Yeah. I think that I think it's important to understand that uh, mentorship doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're meeting with somebody on a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis. If you need to be mentored on a particular subject in your life or a particular mm-hmm. event in your life, mentors can come in many shapes, many sizes. Oh yeah. And with varying levels of frequency, right? So. I may have a mentor. In fact, somebody comes to mind, Jeff Cook. He owns mm-hmm. Arco Construction in St. Louis. He was a mentor in my life for, let's say, the better part of three months. And then I haven't necessarily interacted with Jeff. Sure. But I know if I needed something today, I could call him, right? Um, but sort of that saying of standing on the shoulders of giants, the only way that we really become fully fulfilled in our lives is to understand that that is, first and foremost, that you're not recreating the will, nor do yeah. you need to. And mentors can help you uh, sort of accelerate the pace of your growth and learning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if you do that all under the predicate that all that mentorship in your life is to be given back in some way, shape, or form. So once you get the fruits of all that mentorship, Mm -hmm. you should pass that along to uh, future generations. Absolutely. And be intentional about that. Yeah. what's it's, it's funny that you say that. One of the uh, precursors to getting my mentor is how Ken would tell you the story. He uh, made me shake his hand at the end of our first meeting, and he said, one day you promise me you'll do this for somebody else. That's right. And that was it. He said, I will meet with you as many times as you like, but you have to promise me that today, that you'll give this back. And I said, absolutely. Um, I still don't think I'm ready to give it back yet. I'm still <laughs> learning so much, right? But one day I plan on it. Um, so I'm reading a book right now and the title is a bit questionable, but it's called first break all the rules and which is kind of an interesting statement, I would think. Um, but it, it talks about a, the difference between management and leadership and what makes a great manager, what makes a great leader. Sometimes the two are not synonymous. Um, and how do you, um, how do you become a great manager or a leader with a team? How do you hold yourself accountable? How do you make sure you're communicating uh, clearly and effectively? Really, that's like the key word, effectively, sure. um, with your team. So I, next question for you is, what do you think makes a leader great within our industry? So first, I think, yes, I think there's a, a stark difference between leadership and management. Um, I think in simple terms, I think a leader is really out there uh, understanding bigger landscape, mm-hmm. uh, let's call it the 50,000 foot view, yeah. and sort of being visionary about what is to come in the future, and then whacking down all the hurdles that might get in a manager's way. So mm-hmm. a manager is, in my head, more of a, a person who executes and gets things done, right? Leaders charting the course, managers 
getting it done. Mm -hmm. I, I think the attributes that make for good leadership, uh, first and foremost, is listening. You, yeah. you should listen. Uh, there's this saying, uh, uh, you have two ears and one mouth, right? It's, yeah, right. You should listen twice as much as you talk. Mm -hmm. So listening, and, and let me differentiate here between listening and hearing. So listening is sort of an active function, right? Mm -hmm. Hearing is quite a different thing. And so not only listening, meaning you've got noise coming in your ears, but actually hearing what is coming in your ears so that right. you can turn that into something that is uh, of value for the person that you're yeah. communicating with, right? So first attribute is listening. Equally, if not more important, is integrity and honesty. And uh, I hate to overuse authenticity, but authenticity is of value. Yeah. So, in other words, your actions line up with what comes out of your mouth, right? Yeah. And so a lot of times I've seen leadership where, where the mouth is out there uh, too far in advance of our ability to back up with action, right? So we Absolutely. Like, we like to talk, 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 oh, yeah. but we never produce. Uh, the good leader sort of balances that equation in that they can speak, but they can also back that up with action. Yeah. So listening, integrity, honesty, and then a bias for action, but not too much action that you don't actually get things done. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a great description. I, uh, uh, I think a great example for me of an excellent leader, and I don't say this because this is my company's podcast, but I, my boss is a great leader. Um, his name is Andrew. He does a really phenomenal job at listening to the team members and asking, okay, what do you need to be better? Yeah. What do you need? You know, and hear and listening and hearing, and not just stopping there, but actually acting on what needs to be done. I think, you know, there's a lot of talk everywhere, right? People like to talk, people like to make this image of themselves that's larger than life, but there's no action behind it. And if there's no action, then it, that wall crumbles instantaneously almost. Oh yeah. You know, the veil will break yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, very easily too. <laughs> All it takes is one person. Um, what advice do you have for someone who ultimately wants to become a leader within multifamily? I, I love this question. Um, and it, I think, especially if you said it uh, in the context of a youthful generation, I, I stay away, away from the word millennial. I, I really don't like that word because we are all human beings. We're all people. We just happen to be varying ages. So, But, but I think it is applicable to someone who is, is youthful in the multifamily space. Mm -hmm. I think you do... As much as we like to believe that we can uh, learn a lot through YouTube podcasts and all the yep. other educational experiences that are out there and afforded to us, uh, time in the trenches, uh, there is nothing like that. You you can't. It's in order to have responsibility, you have to have accountability. In order to have accountability, you need to have time so that you can mm -hmm. see pictures of the world and, and the things that happen in that world, yeah. right? And so. My advice is be patient. You, as much as you want to be the RM or the EVP mm -hmm. or the VP or the president of the organization, which I love ambition, but nothing prepares you for those moments of leadership, yep. those responsibilities of leadership, like being in the trenches. So my actionable advice is when you get into the multifamily space, look for uh, projects that are broken. When I say projects, I mean properties. If I have a property mm -hmm. that's operating at 85 or 86% occupancy and I'm not a part of that project, mm -hmm. then I raise my hand. I go to the RM or I go go to whoever will listen to you and say, I want to go there. 
Yep. And then go there and then produce results. And that experience in and of itself will provide you a world-class education as it relates to leading, yeah. right? It will also expose you to people who see you raising your hand right. and go to those experiences that you producing in those environments mm -hmm. so that when a guy like me looks out across the landscape of team members, mm -hmm. I go, oh, you know, Charles went to 85% yeah. and all of a sudden that thing's 92%. There must be something to Charles, right? Yeah. So, Go where the problems are and fix the problems, and that will get you the experience and education you need to be a leader in our industry. Love that. Go to the problems and fix them. You don't hear that too often. It's more like run from the problems and just build solutions based on this, you know, perception of the problem, but don't actually go to the problem. That's uh, right. And I, I appreciate your beginning statement because as a millennial, <laughs> we sometimes um, we are forced to hide behind that label instead of, hey, you're a human being and you're capable and you show initiative and go seek out the problem, try and build an innovative solution, go be in the trenches, spend time. Um, appreciate that uh, very much so. And to any of our younger audience that is listening, we have a bit of a, a vast young multifamily network in Houston in particular. Um, as somebody who's recently graduated from the University of Houston, uh, I had a, a lot of friends, quite a, quite a few friends who immediately thought that they would step into very high executive and leadership role right after graduation. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter that you've graduated from the second best entrepreneurship program in the country. You don't. You, right. Most of the time, you don't step into that position. Um, I would I would hear this. I would really hone into what, what we're saying right here. You need to spend some time in the trenches. Go pick an industry. Go pick the bottom of the totem pole job and go learn it. Go perfect it. Go meet a million different people. And then when you feel like, you know, you've perfected that craft, then maybe it's time to move up. But, you know, spend time in the trenches first. Learn the art. Learn the industry. Um, and seek out the problems and try to provide innovative solutions to them. Um, so, Mike, we work with a lot of amazing multi multifamily property owners. Um, a lot of individual owners, a lot of owners with newly, um, I guess, accepted portfolios, which is super exciting for them. Sure. Um, and some of them haven't chosen a property management partner. I'd love to hear your um, your opinion on why is Radco one of the best options out there? You, you know, I appreciate the question. And it's, uh, so Radco, uh, we wholly own all of our assets. So we, we don't necessarily do third-party management, although we have started uh, those discussions. So but if I think about, I can still answer this question, even though we are wholly owned. We, we have everything under one roof. So we have our investment firm, along with our asset managers, okay. along with our regional managers and our property uh, uh, residential uh, people, which is great, right? Because yeah. if I need an answer, I can literally walk down the hall and get, get that answer. Uh, or if I need to get a bunch of really smart people in a room to innovate or iterate mm -hmm. or even disrupt something, I can do that. Whereas I think in the third party world, which is where I came from, yeah. private coming to work here, it's it's a little more difficult uh, in the sense that transparency isn't, I think, probably first and foremost on in the third party world. Sure, uh, it's how do we get past the next meeting, right? Uh, and yeah. when owners of assets are really diving deep into your operation or your ability to produce results you sort of give the, the canned answer or the reader's digest mm -hmm. version or whatever can get me out of this room so I can move on to the next issue and yeah. the next problem. So I think as we sit and sort of contemplate because of a, a changing business environment, the idea of getting into third-party management, mm -hmm. I think we really want to build that on a 
high level of transparency to mm -hmm. the extent that we we can. I'd rather be in partnership with owners mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of setting up this dividing wall between yeah. how do we get out of the next meeting and how do we bring the most value to you. Right. So I think, um, it, and this, this may be a controversial statement, and I almost borderline hesitate to say it, but I, I don't, in my 26 or 27 years in this business, I've not seen and or been a part of a third-party management company that is wholly 100% transparent and for client that you were actually trying to do business with right yeah and partly uh, that is in part a function of third-party owners yep. driving down fees and pushing us into this sort of commodity-based business mm -hmm. um, and us being accepting of that so I'm not blaming on them I'm just saying we, we are parties and bringing yeah. this thing to a point where it feels like a commodity and it's not something that can be differentiated in a way that that one can provide value right uh, one meaning the third party, uh, party management company can provide value. So my hope is when we venture down this road of going into third party management that we can build it and design it in a way that is full of transparency mm -hmm. and gives ultimate value to the end user and my hope in my heart of hearts is that fees don't get in the way of that. Yeah. So if I can provide excellent value to you then my hope is that our fee uh, it's a byproduct yep. in a good way of that. Uh, so I think it's not necessarily a direct answer to your question, but I think they're just like the industry is being disrupted as a whole. I mm -hmm. think one's ability to be a great third party manager, property yeah. manager is being disrupted. And I hope to be a part of that conversation as we build out our third, uh, third party management function. No, that's again, a great answer. Transparency. I think there's a lack of actually third party property management. Um, we are in kind of a, a fun situation where we have some independent owners, we have independent portfolio owners, we have partnerships that we work with, but then we work with a lot of property management companies. And I'm not speaking about any of my clients in particular, so please, if you're listening to this, do not think I'm talking about you. I'm actually talking about a prospect that I met with a couple months ago. Um, but it's so, it's ironic to me going into a meeting with supervisors and VPs and explaining, you know, one of the projects we do is water conservation. And, um, you know, here's a program that doesn't cost you a thing. It's a full-on water conservation project. Um, ultimately, it's a win-win for you and the property. And I get, like, you know, we're seeking out a different vendor. I have all the respect in the world for that. You have your relationships, 100% pursue them. If I'm not it, you know, bring value to your property. If I'm not the solution, find somebody else that's going to bring value to your property. Um, but the only, really, the driving question for the entire meeting was, well, how do we just increase our bottom line? We just need to increase the bottom line. I don't care who's on the property. I just need to increase the bottom line. And I said, what about the value you're bringing? What about this relationship you have with this property owner? What would they want? Well, I don't care. They hired me. They entrusted me to figure this out. I said, well, I think they made the wrong decision, um, to, you know, to be frank. But anyway, the owner walked right and said, who are you? I was like, well, exactly. You don't know who I am. Uh, but anyway, so this has been wonderful. And you have provided immense value to my audience. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and you um, have a wonderful perspective and one that I feel like a lot of people do, but they're too scared to say it, True. honestly. So I, I appreciate your, your boldness. And uh, 
I um, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in and uh, make sure to stay tuned. Solutions by Southwest Utility is going to be posting some more content as we take this journey of Tell Me Your Story. Um, thank you so much, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you again for the opportunity. Absolutely. Until next time, guys, stay tuned.